Let's open the Word of God this morning to Job chapter 36. Job chapter 36. In the book of Job, we have him, his three miserable friends that misapplied the events in his life and accused him of having secret faults that God was judging. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And we have the young man Elihu who wrote the book and who was the only one that understood what was happening. And Elihu begins speaking in chapter 32 and speaks through chapter 37. And then the Lord takes up. I want chapter 36 and I want to read in the middle of Elihu's words these words from him. The first four verses of Job 36. Elihu also proceeded and said, Suffer me a little, and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar and will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. For truly, my words shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. These are the words of Elihu in the middle of his discourse with Job, wanting to set things straight, that Job was wrong in blaming God for his troubles. Job was wrong in accusing God of being unfair with him. And also that the three friends were wrong for falsely accusing Job of having sin in his life. So he is proceeding because he began speaking in chapter 32, so he's continuing to speak. He says, suffer me a little. That is, allow me or permit me because I have a little bit more I'd like to say. His wine bottle is not yet spent. In chapter 32, we read that he was, he felt like he was a wine bottle corked up and ready to blow his top because he wanted to correct these older men. But because they were older, he showed the discretion and courtesy and respect of letting them state their opinions and get it all out. Then he said, now you men sit down and I'll show you my opinion in chapter 32. And he has been going since then. He explains the whole nature of the book in chapter 33 and verse 12. And I want you to always remember these words, and the older members do. God is greater than man. He can do whatever he wants to with your life. And that is the whole lesson of the book of Job. God is greater than man. But here, Elihu is proceeding and he says, Give me a little bit more time and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. We always want to speak on God's behalf. And it is my pleasure to be your pastor this morning and to be able to speak on God's behalf. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you feel. I don't care what I think or feel. I want to speak on God's behalf. I am His ambassador and nothing more than that. I am His messenger. I am His mouthpiece. I am Balaam's ass. But I will speak on behalf of God and defend Him against you. I will defend Him against all the ideas and opinions of men and their accusations against God in His dealings with us. And so today, we're going to be studying affliction when we have pain or trouble or fear in our lives, where it comes from and why it comes. 
So I want to speak on behalf of God, and that is a great pleasure. And I hope that we all are excited about what the Word of God has to say about the Lord Himself, so that we can know Him more perfectly. You know, it is in this book that it says, Acquaint now thyself with Him, and be at peace, and thereby good shall come unto thee. To get acquainted with God is quite a statement, and we want to do that. Now, in speaking on God's behalf, God cannot be discovered by a microscope or a telescope. God is not learned by rationalization of human intelligence. God is learned only one way, by revelation. Your thoughts of what God should be like, your thoughts of what God must be like, are entirely irrelevant and a lie. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So look at this third verse where Elihu says, I will fetch my knowledge from afar. It is not on earth. We can't get it in MIT, and we can't get it on the internet. We can only find it if God reveals it to us, and He's made His revelation in the Word of God, which Elihu did not have. But God had inspired him directly because He told us that in chapter 32. I will fetch my knowledge from afar. The knowledge that we get when we come into the Lord's house is not something that natural man has. It's not in a textbook of this world. It's not found anywhere in this world except in the Word of God. God has revealed it to us all the way from heaven. I'll fetch my knowledge from afar, and I will ascribe righteousness to my Maker. Notice that in these words, Elihu refers to God as his Maker, his Creator. And when we're dealing with a creator and a creature, the creature does not have the right nor the intelligence to question the creator. And so here Elihu, in just a few words, is saying, I'm representing your maker, Job, and he's my maker, and so I'm operating and speaking to you under the responsibility of fairly representing my maker, but he's also your maker. And I'm going to defend him, and I am going to ascribe righteousness to him. You are saying you're righteous, and that God isn't really being righteous because of the way he's treating you, but I am going to ascribe righteousness to him rather than you. And I hope that the sentiment of my words already this morning are just the same. We're going to ascribe righteousness to God, that everything God does is right, perfect, just, holy, and good. Amen. In verse 4, For truly, my words shall not be false. I am going to just defend God, and I'm not going to lie, and I'm not going to misrepresent or exaggerate Him. I'm going to speak the truth, and my words shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. Now some would say that's a little arrogant for Elihu to say that he was perfect in knowledge. But when a man's inspired by God, which I am not, when a man is inspired by God like Elihu, he should be that confident and that bold. He has explained his inspiration by direct involvement of the Holy Spirit in chapter 32, and he says, He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. Now every sincere and honest minister of God that gets in a pulpit today 
and takes up the King James Bible and preaches it sincerely and honestly ought to have the same confidence. Because Paul, writing Timothy in a pastoral epistle of 2 Timothy, said in chapter 3, verses that we know well, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Amen. With a King James Bible and honesty and sincerity before God, when the Bible is declared, it is perfect knowledge. And we should believe that. And so today, as we flip the pages of Scripture to find out why we're afflicted and what the purpose is and what our response should be, we're going to get the perfect answer for those questions. Let's ascribe righteousness to our Maker. God is greater than man. And the words that He has given us, every individual word in the Bible we trust. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God is pure, the prophet Agur said in Proverbs chapter 30. Let's rejoice in these words. They give us perfect answers. Let us pray. Holy Father, blessed God, Lord Jehovah, we humble ourselves before Thee, for Thou art our Maker. We have not made ourselves. We know that there is no such thing as a self-made man. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. But the Lord God governs time and chance and distributes to every man according to his own will. We thank Thee, Holy Father, that when You looked upon mankind and saw that there was none that understood there were none that sought after Thee. There was none righteous, no, not one. You chose us to be Your children in spite of ourselves and gave us a new heart by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit that we would turn unto Thee and away from our own ways. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that You did this before the world began. We thank Thee that You did assign the Lord Jesus Christ to come and die for us in the fullness of time. We thank Thee for that work of the Holy Ghost in washing and renewing us. And we thank Thee for beautiful feet that You have sent, bringing their knowledge from afar, that have conveyed to us the glad tidings and good news of the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that there yet remains a great day of adoption and redemption of our bodies from this veil of tears into the glorious presence of our Savior. We thank Thee, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have inspired the Word of God for us, Your children, and that in these pages before us, preserved by Your government of the world, by Your raising up, of men like William Tyndale and John Wycliffe and King James I of England, we thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that we have perfect knowledge in the Word of God. And we pray this day that we will, all of us, each of us, humble ourselves before Your words 
rejecting and jettisoning every word of our own. That you, as has been prayed already in the back room this morning, will tear down our strongholds and bring every thought into captivity and obedience to the Word of God. We thank Thee for it. We thank Thee that You have given us a divine library of tender and fatherly love, instruction and direction for how we might live peaceable, contented, knowledgeable lives in this world. Heavenly Father, we confess that by nature we are as deceived and as desperately wicked and as ignorant as any men that have ever walked this planet. But we thank Thee, Heavenly Father, for making a difference in our lives by Your grace. If it were not for Your grace and Your power, we would be leading the pack downward into the abyss of hell, sin, and ignorance, and human rebellion. But we thank Thee that we can read the pages of Scripture, whether it be the story of Job, or it be the instruction of Paul and James. You have wisdom for us, and we thank Thee. We are blessed abundantly. We shall ascribe righteousness to Thee this day. Thou art our Maker. Thou art just and holy, perfect and righteous in all Thy ways. And we bless Thee. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, that Thou art not only our Maker, but also our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. And though my words be oft repeated, we are twice Yours. We are Yours by creation, and we are Yours by adoption. We are creatures, and we are the sons of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Heavenly Father, we have come into your presence by this formal assembly this day to worship thee and to learn thy word more perfectly to conform our lives to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to exhort one another to sing and to pray and to sit at the Lord's table and remember his death till he comes. We're thankful for the simplicity of New Testament ordinances, and we ask you to bless us this day that all that we do will be done according to the due order of your word. We pray for every church of saints throughout the earth who in sincerity, in spirit, and in truth worship thee this day. We pray for their ministers that you will bless them with power. You will protect them from their enemies. You will open their mouths that they might speak boldly and make manifest the glories of the gospel. We pray that the word of the Lord will have free course and be glorified, that your kingdom will be extended and strengthened, protected, delivered, and blessed throughout the earth. We thank thee for our great nation. We have been blessed above all people to be born in America. And we pray for you to preserve this country in spite of its great wickedness. Have mercy upon America, O Lord, for the sake of your people within it. If you would have spared Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain for but ten righteous souls, surely, O Lord God, the judge of all the earth that shall always do right, you can spare America for the righteous within her. That we and our children and our children's children might continue to have the liberty 
and the freedom to worship Thee according to Thy Word and the consciences You have given us. Father, we thank Thee for our government and we pray for every ruler. We pray for those rulers that will replace the present rulers in the days to come, that You will give us leaders that will humble themselves before Thee and protect us by their legislation. O Lord, put a hedge about our country and preserve us from war. Grant us peace that in the peace of Babylon here we might have peace. We will continue to lead our lives as you instructed your church in Babylon of old. And we ask you to protect us and deliver us. We thank thee for your faithfulness in our lives. We thank thee for the forgiveness of sins. And we confess every sin of this past week, O Lord. We confess those things we have omitted to do that we should have done. And the things we committed that we should not have done. We ask you to forgive us our sins of thought, word, and deed. We ask you to forgive us our sins past, present, and future. We thank you that in the Lord Jesus Christ, there is sufficient satisfaction already made for all those sins. And we bless and we praise thee. We pray now for the power of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost, to be sent down from heaven to fill each one of us to guide our preaching, our praying, our singing, and our fellowship, that it will be done in the Holy Spirit rather than in the flesh. Heavenly Father, do not let a word come out of this pulpit that is done in the flesh, that is frivolous, or that is foolish, but that it would all be according to Thy Word and the dictates of Thy Spirit. We thank Thee that we have the perpetual indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Unknown in the history of the world, until the Lord Jesus Christ dispensed the spoils of His great victory on Calvary. Now, O Lord, bless us as we enter into Thy worship. We do adore Thee and love Thee this morning. There is no God beside Thee. There is no Savior beside the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no way to heaven but the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And Heavenly Father, we commit our souls to Thee for this assembly for our lives in this world and eternal life in the world to come. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.